All right. Welcome to Sex, Drugs, and Spirituality. I'm Sydney DeLorean, and I have a brand new guest here in the studio, Darlene Hayden. What's up? What up, bitches? Am I allowed to use your legal name, or am I protecting your identity? No, use my legal name because there's enough other Darlene Haydens that are like 50 plus. Nice. Maybe I'll just taint their their identity. You know, that's re- where you really played it right by getting a generic white lady last it's name. It's so fucking white. <laughs> Nobody would ever assume. For anybody that is listening, if you haven't figured out, I'm definitely not an old white lady. She's not. I don't hang out with old white. Actually, I do hang out with old white ladies. Um, it's not like it's not like I seek them out, but it just happens. It just happens. Yeah. Um, but uh, Darlene has a podcast debuting uh, June 17th uh, called Darlizzle versus the world do you want to tell people about it yeah for sure so darlizzle versus the world is an exciting new podcast that i'm putting together uh basically i found a lot of humor enjoyment out of people that argue on facebook over all these random topics whether it's serious or you know super funny or totally random so uh what i'll be doing is kind of doing a weekly listener poll between two two things um, kind of get a little bit of a history, fun fact, and then kind of talk about whatever my experience or my opinion is and kind of do the poll results and, you know, just make a lot of fun out of it. So I really encourage everybody to kind of follow and get involved. Yeah, they need to follow you on Instagram mostly, also on Twitter, because that way they can vote in the polls before the episodes and they're involved in it, which is really cool. Um, cause sometimes you're listening to a podcast and you're like, ah, but I think this way, but it's already done and recorded. Yeah. And with yours, people can get their say so in yeah. ahead of time, which is great. And it's super interesting to see how much information people are willing to share with me. I always feel super privileged whenever someone's like, you wouldn't believe what happened to me. And this is my opinion on something. I'm like, holy shit. I feel like you just gave me like the full therapy breakdown of what your opinion is but it's pretty cool and it's a lot of fun um yeah that's been my favorite thing uh really about interacting with podcast listeners like the first email I ever got from a listener was uh someone saying hey I listen it's like helping me get through this shitty charter high school experience um also I found this hemorrhoid medication works (laughs) 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 I'm gonna talk to you about serious life things but I'm gonna talk to you also about my asshole problem. Yeah, and I love it because it's like you just have uh, basically it's almost like no filter. I um, she always thought it was funny that I use my personal phone number for the show and stuff, and I'm like, dude, I fucking love talking cool. to strangers. It's my favorite because there's almost there's less of a barrier. Yeah, you know, I don't want to tell people in my real life certain things or whatever because like they're gonna see me every day <laughs> or look at me different. But if there's like. Yeah, I the when I had surgery in December, I went home and I was, you know, high as hell from anesthesia and I called a listener and we like had a whole hour long <laughs> conversation. It was great. Well, it's funny too because I mean, I think now we don't talk to people face to face a lot in general. Mm-hmm. Let alone I, I can't think of the last time somebody's just kind of called me up on the phone. So, especially when you're talking about podcasting, you feel like you start to know people whether it's us and our listeners or our listeners and us. So it's kind of cool to be able to interact. So that's what I really like about, you know, listener interaction and and getting stories and feedback and emailing and texting and everything. Cool. Um, So, yeah, I'll put all the information in the show notes and then everyone follow Darlizzle versus the world on social media. You're on Facebook, too, with it, right? 
No, no. primarily just Instagram and Twitter. I don't know no, how Facebook even works. Who's on Facebook anymore? Oh, the oldest people. Let me, I actually, on. okay, I'm going to tell you something about <laughs> Zach. And it's fine because he doesn't listen to this show anymore. <laughs> he listened before we were dating. And now, you know, he's not. Why listen to the pod when you're getting the milk for free or whatever? I mean. um. So he's a Facebook person. He is. He barely knows how to use Instagram. And so when we first started dating, um, I followed him on Instagram and he had a private account and I had to wait like 24 hours <laughs> before I was approved to see his he account. Had a form formal approval process. Yeah. And then so 24 hours later, I'm approved and I go to his fucking profile and there's no pictures on it. <laughs> so he and OK, he has like. 700 followers no fucking pictures and so i'm you know dick detective and i'm like this fucking dude it took him 24 hours he had to delete some bullshit what's he hiding yeah you don't get this many followers if you don't have any pictures on your account and then as we've been dating and like i found out no he just doesn't know how to use it and so he follows a thousand accounts and gets the follow back <laughs> and doesn't no, post anything and no one's ever unfollowed him because they don't know he exists because he never has posted and so like i had to teach him for his new podcast i had to teach him how to like do an instagram post like he just he doesn't know how to use it it's, it makes him seem very mysterious though yeah no i thought like he's too cool he's on instagram but he's like too cool to be posting anything so then boom followers i guess so yeah <laughs> meanwhile i'm like he was busy deleting pictures of him <laughs> making out with every girl in the world <laughs> all those five thousand pictures that he posted before he met you yes yeah he took that 24-hour approval process to make sure everything came off the internet <laughs> yeah I'm all, and then i'm like why did it take you 24 hours to approve my follow and he's like oh i don't like log into Instagram. he's all what, what's that thing what Instagram? It's, the Instagram? He's like, he's not just my daddy. He's my granddaddy. He's my <laughs> pappy. Um. <laughs> so glad I got to meet him today. Um, Yeah. And uh, you <laughs> now you know, you've seen him. So you know, he doesn't actually look like a daddy or so a pappy. Um, anyways. So yeah, I don't know who's on Facebook, but it's like the oldest people. Yeah. Um, but also, uh, here's the a key to a successful relationship to our younger listeners is, uh, date someone who uses a different social media, uh, than you do. So like, if you're big on Twitter, date someone who's into Snapchat, like just because that way you don't get like, I don't know, turned off by their online persona. Yeah. Online personas are pretty different. Yeah, you know when you like think you know your coworker, and then you're all of a sudden like friends on the internet, and you're like, like "Bitch, you ain't motivational." <laughs> the fuck off the internet, dude. This girl I know, <laughs> she, I was already kind of on the fence about her. I'm gonna be honest. She posted like one of those inspirational quote photographs, you know, on on her thing on the on the. I'm also old on Instagram, and it was a Bob Marley quote. So it's like an inspirational quote from Bob Marley. And I'm upset is what I'm saying. So you're probably guessing she probably, one, has no idea who Bob Marley is. Two, has never smoked weed in her life. Mm -hmm. Three. Yeah. I just was like. <laughs> is appalled with anybody that has dreadlocks. I just, I, she's just like a white chick and there's like those white people. I Like, first of all, fuck reggae. <laughs> I'm sorry. Like, fuck reggae. Fuck reggae culture. Fuck all that machismo bullshit patriarchal. Like, I just hate all of it. A lot of their bullshit has to do with women being submissive. I don't think Bob Marley was a good person. 
Um, I know he was like on tour with his wife, but also openly having an affair with like two of his backup singers. But he's just Amazing. like, oh, in Jamaica, man, the man's this in charge. And so it's like, well, fuck you, first of all. Um, and then also like fuck white people who are like really into that, especially in Arizona <laughs> when you meet like white people who are like, yeah, I'm just really into reggae, you know, and like island vibes. I'm like, why the fuck do you live what here? What island are they even talking? Yeah, I just imagine like they have no idea what they're talking about. No. Like what island, bro? Yeah. Yeah. I hate I hate all of it. And I just am like not here. Yeah. Um. Anyways. So so what you're saying is you guys are not connected on Facebook now? No, we're not. <laughs> We're not. Um, and like, that's the thing. That's the thing is you just go like you think you like someone and then they, you, you know, you find out they're into inspirational photo quotes and <laughs> no, you're like, you check their likes and it's something oh, completely geez. ridiculous. Yeah. You're like, fuck you, Linda. Um, anyways, we're going to do a show about pregnancy. I, I really like to bury the lead in my oh, episodes. Yeah. Um, and I've wanted to do this show for a while because pregnancy's fucking weird and it does crazy shit to your body but also like i've never done it and i'm not gonna do it <laughs> so um you were kind enough to have a child uh just so we could do this episode oh absolutely <laughs> it was what about three and a half years ago that i've pushed out a child into the world because i just was expecting that you would ask me you to talk about it in a podcast you with you so um yeah you're welcome thank you um yeah, so you have a three-and-a-half-year-old. Before you had a child, didn't you want, like, a lot of kids, and then you went through pregnancy once and were like, okay, we're good? Before pregnancy, I was like, well, let me back up a little bit more, because I think in an ideal world where there's no such thing as having to struggle through money and you know what I mean figuring all that stuff out I think when I was younger I was probably like I want a fuck ton of kids Mm -hmm. and then you're like holy shit I can barely pay for anything for myself and then you realize how expensive pregnancy and kids are Mm -hmm. and then the reality of it was we're either gonna have one kid or no kids Mm -hmm. and then I got pregnant and then it was like okay well there's like an 80% chance I don't want kids again to and then 20% is like you know what I mean? Yeah. Possibly, maybe I might change my mind at some point. Uh, but then once I actually did have my kid, I had an emergency C-section, and that was, like, super traumatizing. I was, like, fucking cut my shit out. Cut it all out. I don't yeah. want to have kids anymore. I don't want to have – I don't want to get pregnant again. Like, this is insane. So, yeah. Yeah, I think um, – yeah, I, well, number one, I can't even imagine going through pregnancy. Um how was your pregnancy for you? You're about three feet tall and <laughs> you... I, as were, a little person. <laughs> you're, as a small person, you were very, very pregnant. I was fucking humongous. So I'm realistically 5'1". And I think I said it about like 110, 112. Mm-hmm. So then I got pregnant and it was like... You go through the beginning stage of first trimester and, you know, that's like the weird stage of like, holy fuck, I'm pregnant. And then you're like, holy shit, I'm seriously pregnant. Mm -hmm. And then you can't tell if you feel like shit because you're nervous because like you've just figured out this life changing news or if it's actually all the hormones that are going through and changing your body. And it, it for the most part, it's both. Yeah. So the first trimester is terrible. You basically just want to throw up all the time. Mm-hmm. But for the most part, I guess, you know, it's pretty normal. So 
that's always expected, but walking around with like doggy poop bags in my purse in case I had to throw up somewhere was always enjoyable. Oh God. Yeah. So a lot of morning sickness that whole time. All the time. You don't want to eat. You don't want to do anything, but then you have to eat. Otherwise you get sick and it's pretty fucking miserable and you actually don't enjoy it. You're like, I can't believe I did this to myself. And then second trimester is when you start feeling a little bit comfortable and that's when you're like kind of pregnant and kind of showing. So me as like a smaller person, I feel like I started showing immediately. Mm -hmm. It probably just looked like I had a beer gut or something. And people probably just assumed I had a beer gut if I wouldn't have told them, I think. Yeah, I had a friend. We played in a band, so I would see her a couple times a week at practice. And she is also a small person like you. And she didn't want to announce that she was pregnant (laughs) until, like, you know, you get the test done and you make sure that it's not deformed and you're not going to have, like, a, you know, a miscarriage or have to have a shmushmortion or whatever. And she finally, like, she's like, I I just thought she's been, maybe she's been drinking a lot. Like, I haven't seen her drinking, but like, you know, and then finally she's like, all right, so uh, I was trying to wait um, to announce this, but like, obviously something's (laughs) going on. Apparently this belly is announcing for me. Yeah. And we're like, yeah, you're not hiding. There's not enough room to hide that thing. So then by the time it's like second trimester, yeah, you just kind of start getting this giant beer belly or giant food baby but then it's actually a real baby so I mean through first and second trimester everything was great I was really healthy you know you go to fucking a million doctor's appointments and it's literally like everything's on par with wherever it's supposed Mm -hmm. to be and then come third trimester especially in Phoenix Arizona where it's like 120 fucking degrees sometimes I was huge and swollen and just I don't even know how to explain like I guess you know like those little toys that you put in water and just expands that's what I felt like it looked like I was hiding a basketball under my clothes Mm -hmm. and then I got cankles and then I got a fat face and then everything was swollen but then I was still healthy I mean granted did you feel like it was like a second puberty you know when you're going through puberty and your body is changing so quickly that you your like brain can't is like kind of behind on what's happening and so like you're bumping into things because your hips are wider than they were the day before and you almost feel like foreign in your body because in my mind that's what pregnancy would feel like where like just every day your body is different than the way you remember it because you're just like oh this is okay i I have darker nipples now i don't know don't i could probably talk for two hours about how my nipples probably looked while i was pregnant and post-pregnancy because it's it's insane your body completely changes and then your 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 brain is so fogged that you don't even realize shit's changed. I'm like, fuck, why the fuck can't I fit in these shorts anymore? Uh-huh. And then it's like I'm not piecing together. It's like, dude, I'm like five months pregnant. Why would I why would I fit into something that I just fit like in two weeks ago? Like yeah. there's there's growth happening, there's things happening. And then for me, I was just I was a fucking idiot. Like I would go to work and just probably look like a fucking deaf mute because uh-huh. I would just not be able to concentrate on anything. So I honestly feel like it was worse than puberty because it, like, you during, had a brain fog on top yeah, of it. Yeah. I read on in one article, they said, uh, doctors really don't know the cause of pregnancy brain fog. And a lot of them think that it's just because women, you know, they're not as comfortable and they're not getting good sleep and they're tired. And I'm like, that's a bunch of male doctors. I can't believe in, in all the modern science. That no that would be the purpose. Yeah. Because I say this is someone who like gets period brain fog where it's like the three days before my period. 
I, I don't even know where the fuck I am. Yeah. Like, I'm a whole different person because my brain is just a pile of goo three days out of the month from hormones. And so they hear doctors say, oh, we're not quite sure what's happening. It's probably because they're tired. I'm like, you've got to be fucking kidding. Because I think I read, like, uh, hold on, I'm going to find this stat that I uh, uh, printed up. Okay. It's like the the estrogen created in like a nine month pregnancy is the same as what a normal woman would create in three years. So it's like your estrogen levels are more than triple normal. Yeah. Like what? Like obviously that's going to affect the way your mind is working. Um, well, and if you think about your body and the fact that you're growing another human in your body like i don't know i'm not a fucking scientist i'm not a doctor but like that's a lot of fucking shit that's happening there's no way that whatever your body is doing in order to kind of split and produce a living being inside your body is is not like not throwing off your normal functioning way of life yeah there's no way i mean i can definitely understand the whole sleeping thing and that being an issue but i mean if i could put a percentage on 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 that it would probably be like well it's 30 percent that problem and then 70 percent is probably all of the biological shift that's yeah happening. yeah and you're you're like you have all these hormones like telling you to like nest and like so you're having urges to like i don't know like rearrange shit isn't yeah. that part of it like it's weird yeah it's weird and it is it's like you definitely have that weird nesting thing going on. So then your mind is kind of going a million miles an hour because you're like, oh, fuck, these are all the steps that I have to kind of do before a kid actually gets here. Yeah. So I mean, I could definitely see where that's kind of happening too. But I don't know. It feels like some weird cavewoman shit, like also where maybe your brain kind of forces you to focus on, on I don't know, forming body parts or something like maybe it's like a weird biological thing where it's just like well you need to focus on this instead of focusing on work and facebook and doing all these other bazillion things so maybe it's like a like a weird thing that we don't even know about yeah because okay so the uh your total like blood flow increases by 50 percent so you have 50 percent more blood in your body and then um your heart it's larger which is insane to me so like and it says so the fetus is the priority so like you're making more blood you have more blood flow but it's not prioritizing your brain in any way shape or form like how weird is that it's like i don't need your fucking brain just give me your body just give me your your organs your internal organs to build a to build a human tiny penis well during this week or something well and there's the there's the pregnancy the quote-unquote pregnancy hormone hcg which tells your body to if you are pregnant and not getting enough nutrition it tells your body to eat fat rather than go in starvation mode and that's why people use it as a diet drug um that's what i did under the guidance of uh our um doctor type friend uh <laughs> doctor type friend because i i do know someone who will uh prescribe diet drugs to people who aren't overweight um but because you can go on a 500 calorie a day diet and you lose hella weight because you're injecting yourself with this hormone that's saying we're pregnant don't go into starvation mode just eat the fat reserves um because basically like when you're pregnant your whole body switches over into this thing that like prioritizes the baby and you're just yeah you're just this host (laughs) basically it was very alien like yeah like definitely 
the entire time I was pregnant, I basically that's that's what I felt like. I felt like a host. I was like, holy shit, there's just this thing growing inside me. There's a bunch of fucking cells dividing right yeah. now. Like even before it actually feels like a little tiny human inside you, and it's it's pretty creepy. I'll be honest. I mean, I think some women feel like that was their whole purpose for being on this earth and they're like this is what i was meant to do this is exactly what i should be doing i'm gonna do it 500 fucking times if i can meanwhile i'm like this is creepy i've seen like too many of the alien movies yeah i know exactly what's about to happen this is fucking weird and it is crazy i think scientifically it's super super cool when you kind of read about things and understand how it all happens and even just looking at the statistic of a fertilized egg uh-huh. like as far as numbers you know i don't know the exact number but it's like holy fuck this is like a giant genetic lottery uh-huh. and it's genuinely really interesting so yeah. i mean i'm probably a little bit more of a nerd to to kind of understand and go through pregnancy than some of these other fucking blind sheep that are like Jesus put me on this earth to have 500 children, and I'm going to do it again. And I'm like, oh, should you really be putting your body through that so many times? Yeah, or your children. Ugh. Um, Yeah, that's just, it's it's interesting. Um, And, you know, I just, the more children you have, they don't they don't get better. No, it's like, like dogs. Yeah. Look at it with dogs. Maybe that's why I have, okay, so I'm Asian for uh-huh. anybody that needs to know that information. I don't know if that's relevant information, but for the purpose of talking about yeah. kind of offspring and things like that, we joke around about it where it's like, it's like with dogs and breeding where, you know, you kind of have to do these little mutts and then they're better they're genetically. Yeah, yeah. So my Asian ass and my husband's white ass were like, dude, we, we're doing a, like a nice genetic lottery with this one. Yeah, you have to mix it <laughs> like, up because genetic diversity leads to, yeah, stronger genes. Also, when you have kids, um, their DNA is like permanently in your body, which is crazy. It's it's called like some sort of like uh, chimeric, chimerism, which is where you have two sets of DNA, but like they can find your child's DNA in your bloodstream, yeah. which... For in some cases is bad for people who have autoimmune diseases, but for most women, it's actually like strengthens you because you have genetic diversity within your own system. It's weird. That's a, but it's that, super. It's a fucking trip. It's yeah. a fucking trip. Um, do you want to talk about delivery? Yeah, you had a rough one. I had a rough one. So I think it's funny because by the time I was close, I was originally what was my due date? My original due date was September fourth. So by the time you're you're close to your delivery date, you're literally at the doctor's office. Like, I feel like it was every week. Maybe it was every week or every other day or something. But they're basically fisting you every time you go into the doctor's office to check how much you've dilated over the course. Yeah. So this is how naive I even was going into this pregnancy. I mean, you hear it all the time. How much are you dilated? We're going to check your cervix. We're going to check you. And I think I've just always just been super naive where it's like, oh, they're just going to measure the size of how much your pussy's opened. Yeah. And then that's just how stupid I am, even for having the female body for however, how old am I? 33. And I've just always assumed, oh, they just check your pussy. They're just checking the <laughs> they're pussy hole. They're just checking it. No, you basically go in every week when you're close to your due date and they basically fist you. Oh, my God. Like they get up in there. I don't like that. It's so uncomfortable. So for any dude that might have any 
fantasy about anything like that. It's about like, oh, I'm going to become a, a OBGYN and see <laughs> all these pussies. You're just going to go and fist a bunch of women until they're completely uncomfortable. Yeah. And it's it's funny, too, because they basically tell you, like, sorry, this is going to be uncomfortable. I'm like, for who? For, yeah. I know I know it's going to be fucking uncomfortable. Like, I don't yeah. know. I, I Trust me, I don't want to be here all the time. So... You know, that was one thing that I was just really surprised over because it was so uncomfortable. And then it's like, depending on, you know, your whole plan of seeing your doctor, uh, we we went, went in knowing that there's no guarantee of one doctor delivering your yeah. child. Like, there's just no possible way unless you have, like, a plan C-section and you do then it on you a know. schedule. Yeah. But, you know, we were kind of just like, well, we'll try to go into labor and, and see what happens. So our expectations were... Let's just try to see any doctor at the practice so that we can at least get an idea of all the doctors that are there so that if we just pop in, oh, that's we smart. have an idea of who who could be delivering our kid. Yeah. Um. So, you know, after all those weekly fistings and things like that, we finally just like tried every stupid old wives tale of like how to go into labor because oh, yeah. I was so uncomfortable and I was it was huge. And you're like, just get this baby out of me. And it was like, I don't want to do a plan C-section, you know? So they yeah. give you like a plan C-section date of like, if you don't go into labor by this day, this is the day we'll cut uh-huh. your kid out. So I was like, well, let me try to do all these things. It was down to like, still sexing. Yeah. Like, okay. I'm so sorry. Like, I'm so sorry, but let's have sex because I really need to get this kid out of me. I bu- And I put that on my list oh, yeah. because- they say sex is really good because the oxytocin can like get things moving, the orgasm can get things moving, yeah. and then uh, semen has high concentrations of prostaglandins, and they uh, soften or this is a medical term, and I'm sorry to say this, they ripen <laughs> the cervix. It is- does. So, because, uh, interesting thing for people who don't understand, your cervix is not like a static thing in your body. It um, raises and lowers depending on where you're at in your cycle. So when you're ovulating, it's going to be lower and softer because it's like trying to catch that sperm. And when <laughs> okay. you're when you're ready to have a baby, it also lowers and softens. So the which is just crazy like for people like i don't know it's just science is fucking crazy because we've evolved alongside each other and like so like yeah like let's put this go-go juice in men's jizz that helps get the baby out like it's just crazy to me like this is what got me here in the first fucking place i guess we're gonna keep doing it until this baby comes out i read this is years ago and i haven't reread to see if it's continued to be true but I read a thing where it said, you know, they think morning sickness might be caused by um, kind of like an allergic reaction because you're having cells with different DNAs grow, grow within your body. And so your body's kind of like rejecting, rejecting it, it naturally. It. Oh, um, it's pretty interesting. Swallowing the semen of the man who impregnated you can help. Get you used to it? Yeah. It Holy can, fuck. It helps morning sickness. <laughs> Don't tell people that. I know. Because then dudes, <laughs> like then you're already fucking pregnant and you're right. like, now I got to suck his dick because he's like, come on, get your medicine. <laughs> oh my God. <laughs> but apparently. Let me help you. Yeah. Swallow. Yeah, apparently uh, the jizz of the father will help with morning sickness, allegedly. I feel like somebody's going to use that to their advantage, but, like, 
not for any actual scientific no, purpose. No, and then if it doesn't, <laughs> if it doesn't help with the morning sickness, then you go, see, I told you I wasn't the father. Oh my god. Um, it's weird caveman style DNA testing. It's when people have like just <laughs> an understanding of science to be dangerous, you know? Um, which is what this show is all about. Amazing. Um, so you were still sexing. Still sexing because it was, and even by then, I don't feel bad for my husband because I really don't know if we actually were enjoying it the way you expect <laughs> to enjoy sex because I mean I think I gained 40 pounds I think 40 pounds max maybe 45 like I said I was huge yeah you so, wait you at you went up to the weight that I weighed at that time so <laughs> it was kind of one of those things where it was just like I know we're all uncomfortable I know that my fat cankles, like, kind of rubbing up on your leg is not getting anybody in the mood, but we need to fucking do this. <laughs> so close to anybody. Give mama that medicine. <laughs> so gross. So, so, you know, I feel bad for any husband. I, I, what's weird, though, is some men really enjoy fucking pregnant chicks. They love it's it. It's a weird fetish. Yeah, I've heard, I've heard them say, oh, it's just like another curve. It's just, the, it's, I love curves and it's just more curves. Yeah. So, you know, sexing by the end was definitely still on the agenda just to try to move things along. And then I looked up shit on the internet. So I was doing like eating eggplant Parmesan because on the internet, there's like ladies that swear by eating oh like God. eggplant Parmesan from specific restaurants. And granted, it wasn't a specific restaurant I could even go to, but I was like, listen, if, if that gives me like, a 5% of, like, a chance to go into labor, yeah. I'll take it. My fat ass is eating anyways. <laughs> Let's put some eggplant parm on the fucking menu. Yeah. Um, I still did acupuncture. That was amazing. That was also to kind of calm my nerves in general because it's nerve-wracking. Like, fuck, I'm going to have, like, a, a little person that I'm going to be responsible for. So that really helped me with the stress, and I think that kind of got things moving along. Mm -hmm. um, what else did I do? Oh, and then the day before... Uh, my water breaking, I sat on a yoga ball mm -hmm. and just did like a little bit of a light bounce probably for hours. Really? Yeah. And then I woke up the next morning. I think it was probably like 3 a.m. And I was like, okay, either I just peed my pants or I think my water broke. Okay, wait. Oh, I, I should ask. Okay. The, the mucus plug. I didn't have a mucus plug. Whoa, like okay. a super, um, I guess not a super obvious one. Yeah. But for me, I was just like, oh, I guess I peed my pants. Because some women, like, they lose their mucus plug before their water breaks. I, I didn't even look up how that works. It just said it varies when women lose it. Or is that when the mucus plug blows, then the water breaks? I don't understand. I think it's a matter of you would have a mucus plug. Uh-huh. That blows and then your water and then the water breaks. Out. That's that's the cork that's in the, the bottle. That's the water break. Okay, yeah, okay, that's okay. what breaks. So I'm you just felt sure. like, oh, I peed myself. Uh huh. Okay. Yeah, so it was kind of one of those things. So I kind of walked around and I'm like pacing around in my house mm. for like a good hour before I really was like, oh fuck, that was my water because one, I knew my husband was gonna freak out because he freaks out at anything medical. So I was like, I really want to make sure I didn't just piss my pants and yeah. run to the run to the emergency room like oh my god my water broke and they're like ma'am you pissed your pants which okay i want to say sure happen. i didn't know this until i did this episode uh and i like was looking up like weird things about pregnancy so the water that breaks which that's your amniotic fluid right yep. um it's pee 
It's, it's basically the baby grows in its own pee and it like drinks pee and, it, and peas. It, and it's like a fucking recycling bin of pee in I, there. I had no fucking idea. Yeah. And it's so it's starting in the second trimester. He's peeing. He's drinking his pee. He's, you know, whatever. Um, And uh, also his lungs fill with uh the pee and like the like breathing in that pee and breathing it back out is what helps the lungs develop it's weird right that's crazy well, the fact that they drink it and pee it out while they're in there and w- i mean it's, it's a weird. circle they're of just- life <laughs> circle of piss yeah <laughs> <laughs> that's gonna be my next band's title oh circle my god of piss. could you imagine when they grow up and they're pieces of shit and you want to insult them like well i remember when you were just a sack of piss yeah you're just, <laughs> just a sac- amniotic sack of piss little shit um okay so your sack of piss breaks my sack of piss breaks at like 3 a.m so i just am pacing around and you know i have two pit bulls so they're like watching me from bed and then Mm -hmm. my husband wakes up and he's like is everything okay and i'm like i think my water broke i don't think it's pee because it's kind of just squirting out with every step i take at this point oh man so it's it's gross you like feel when you like have a, a leaky tampon and every step you take you're like squish no imagine if you're like like a like a rubber ducky with water in it and when you squeeze it like a bunch of water gushes out oh my. it's legitimately yeah. like that's what i and felt like no i felt like a fucking it. pool toy yeah so every every like large movement, if I coughed or like bent over or whatever, uh-huh. I was like, oh, nice little tiny gush of water. So it wasn't anything super dramatic. It, it's legitimately like, is that just gushes of pee and I can't uh-huh. feel anything down there now? So that's that was like the interesting thing because everything that you figure out, and you know, it's almost the same thing with like getting fisted, aka having your you know cervix checked. Uh-huh. F- movies fucked me up. With the expectation of anything like Lamaze classes and breathing, water breaking, checking, you know, how much you're dilated and all this shit. Like movies really fucked up my expectation, even though I'm a female with a female body and those lady parts like all that shit fucked me up because I was like, wait a minute. We don't just wait for like a huge pool of water to come out. Yeah, you were expecting it to be like. Yeah, like like a gush. You remember the movie Coneheads? No. Wow. Dan Aykroyd. I mean, I know the movie, but I don't remember it. So you'll have to look this up after this, but basically they're aliens, right? Uh-huh. Conehead aliens. And when the Conehead mom basically, when her water breaks, she's they're like in a basement, and it looks like the flooding of the Titanic, like... <laughs> when yeah. the water gushes out so like that was my, that's even what that's my an, expectation that, would yes, be yeah. that's what i'm saying like oh my god how much water is coming out of that body so you know that unrealistic expectation of water breaking so um it's more subtle it really it, and it at least for me i'm sure the i'm sure it all varies for everyone but mine was not anything that exciting it was just like oh shit i pissed the bed i better go change my underwear wait a minute maybe that's not piss so then, you know, we go to the ER and they basically have to check. They have like a little test to check um, if it's actually amniotic fluid or if it's pee. Oh, no way. Yeah. So it's like legit. Like they put it on a little, um, what do you call it? Like a little thing that you would put under the, like oh, a little, like a little slide. Thing. Yeah. Like yeah. a little slide type thing where they kind of like scoop it up. And I, as I was walking, every single step was another little gush of 
fluid and then she just goes oh i could just check it from this it's probably your water yeah basically like takes the slide like scoops up the fluid that just came out of my body from the floor and just is like yeah that's your water (laughs) really yeah it's it's, from the floor it's it's not a very attractive process pregnancy i'll be honest anybody that thinks it's like you know, unicorns and rainbows. Like, dude, that shit is not no. as fun as it sounds. It doesn't. Yeah, no, no. So, yeah, she basically just checked it off the floor. It was just like, yeah, that's your water. And then it was like, cool. It's like 4 o'clock in the morning. Here we are. We're getting admitted. And I guess we'll be here until there's a fucking baby that comes. Yeah. Do you feel, did you feel like, how can I say this? Did it feel like, okay, like things have shifted? Do you feel like there's a baby? It's coming. Well, the whole pregnancy, even when, like, the baby would move around and you could almost see, like, the entire body uh-huh. move from, like, one side of my belly to the other, it still was kind of like, man, that's fucking weird. I-, I-, I think maybe I just had a different um, experience of pregnancy, but I was just like, that's still fucking weird. Yeah. That's still super creepy because you're so used to your own body. Uh-huh. So the fact that you have another living being growing inside you, moving around, going to completely change your life is like for me, even to this day, I look at my kid and I'm like, holy fuck. Yeah. That's my kid. That's like 50% of me and 50% of my husband. So I think throughout my entire pregnancy, I still was kind of like, whoa, that's super weird. It's super creepy. So then even up to the point of going into labor. I didn't feel any different, even if, you know, some people would be like, oh, your belly's dropped. I'm like, I don't feel any different. It just all feels more or less the same. Okay. So like, yeah, my body walking around, uh, like if you would have asked me, like, could could I tell that I was going to go into labor the day before I went into labor versus like the three days before I went into labor? No. It all felt exactly the same to me. Interesting. Yeah. And so how many hours were you in labor before you got uh, ended up having a cesarean? So let's see. So we were admitted about four in the morning. Um, so this is how petty I am. Before we actually went into the <laughs> – before we went to the hospital, I ate like a huge-ass meal because like – You wanted to take a you- fat shit yeah, well, when you delivered. Not- you wanted to – I, I was very comfortable knowing that I was probably going to shit myself. Okay. And I was just like, I don't care. Yeah. Like, there's no way I've got to be the worst going in. Like, <laughs> there's no way that, that is- I'm somebody's worst story of, like, the birth shitter. That's what we always say on this show is, like, being embarrassed about your body is always pointless because you are you're never going to be the best and yeah, you're never like, going to be the worst. Dude, you're going to get lost in the no middle. Way. Like. I don't know. I just I'm I'm a very comfortable shitter yeah. in general. Uh-huh. So like birthing and shitting together, I was like, whatever. I got this. I, I'm totally comfortable in my own skin. Like I'm fine with it. It's mostly because like I knew I was going to be getting an epidural. Uh huh. And and they don't let you eat. Oh, so you're like, I need a last meal. I need a last fucking meal. Yeah. You know. So I was like. Up at like three o'clock in the morning, like I need to eat something. Oh my god, is Chick Fil A open? Can can we stop somewhere? Yeah. And and meanwhile, like the hospital is literally right across from where we used to live. Like mm-hmm. I could have just walked myself there. <laughs> so it was kind of one of those things that I thought was funny too, because I was like, oh my god, I need to eat something. What was your last meal? It was like left. Well, I was so mad because it wasn't even it's- anything exciting. It was like, oh my god, it's like leftover, like leftover pasta. Yeah, because Chick-fil-A wasn't open. Chick-fil-A was not open at 3 a.m. Fuck. 
And it was not like I was going to go to the sketchy 24-hour open McDonald's. No. Uh-uh. Because if I would have had McDonald's, it would have been a terrible shit if I would have had to birth shit. It might have been the worst birth <laughs> McDonald's shit they shits. ever had. <laughs> they would have been like, this fucking bitch. <laughs> That's like some hood rat shit. <laughs> um, is if you have to get McDonald's yeah. on your way to give birth. So, yeah. I was I was very concerned. So, we got, we got admitted around 4 a.m., I kind of hung out. I I did get to have like a smoothie early in the morning, but I ended up having my son at like 4.15. Okay. So I was there for 12 hours before my son actually arrived. So the, the crazy thing is I kind of went through it. I didn't immediately get the epidural. I was kind of like, you know, I'll wait until I'm a little bit more uncomfortable uh-huh. Um, before I really want to get the epidural because that shit is not fun. It they put it, it's a shot in your spine, it's, right? No, so it's not just a shot in your spine. You you basically have a needle in your spine the whole and time. It stays there, yeah, because you think it has to administer administer medication. Oh, it's like a continual thing. Yeah. Oh, I so thought imagine it was like, like an IV. You know? No. See, movies fucked us up again. Yeah, I thought they came in, they gave you a shot, and they left the room. No, they keep a needle in your spine. They basically have to fucking leave that shit in. That's some saw shit. It's crazy. Yeah, I don't like that. So that was very uncomfortable. So I waited as long as possible. So I think I didn't get an epidural until maybe around like noonish. Okay. So, you know what I mean? Like, the contractions were uncomfortable, but it wasn't, like, anything completely unbearable. And yeah. it's kind of one of those things where I was just like, well, I know I'm getting an epidural, so I at least want to know what I'm avoiding on, like, a small scale. You want to taste it a little. I w- <laughs> I, it's I'm- like when you fuck, like, a really gross person just to be happy that you're not <laughs> going to fuck them again. You know what I'm saying? I Okay. I Not that I've ever done that, but sometimes I, like, see someone who's so fucking weird that I'm like, I wonder what it's like to fuck them. No, I you know, get that. like just to taste the weird. You don't want it. You're not trying to buy it, but no. you want to know what what is out there. See, I get what you're saying, but I never envision it as like I want to know what it's like to fuck that person. I I usually am like third person. Like I wonder what these people fuck like. Yeah, that is a better way. <laughs> to I never want to be the 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 person matched up with said gross person it's usually just a curiosity of like oh i wonder what they look like naked oh i wonder what they look like bumping uglies yeah i'm gonna work on being less gross and making myself the (laughs) third person and not yeah be the fly on the wall you're right you're right i'm gonna work on being less invasive in my gross fantasies (laughs) Uh. but yeah it was kind of one of those things like i really just wanted to have an idea of what that felt like Uh because it isn't Again, movies fucked me up. It wasn't like just a bunch of contractions like pain in your pussy the whole time. It's like your whole belly. Like the contractions are like your whole belly trying to like expel out a a child out of your body. So like everything, like your uterus, like all that shit just contracts. So when you feel it, it's like your, at least for me, it was like my whole area. So this is something I learned from, um, I used to go jogging with this girl who was an OBGYN and she was telling me, cause she's like, yeah, uteruses are crazy. Like, I think it was in reference to how big I thought they were normally. And she's like, no, they are very, very small. They're like accordion strong muscle. And then when you're pregnant, I actually wrote it down and then I probably lost it. They go to like, okay. 
A the uter a woman's uterus expands to more than five hundred times its normal size over the course of a pregnancy. So if you think of a uterus with a baby and a placenta and amniotic fluid, that's five hundred times its normal size. So its normal size is very very tiny. And what this woman said, and I was like, how long does it take for the uterus to go back to its size after a delivery? And she goes, oh, it goes back right away. And I said, so what are you telling me? Like, by right away, you mean like a couple weeks? And she goes, no, like immediately. Like, that's how powerful that muscle is, is that it can it can force a human being out. Like how gross is that? I mean, it's creepy. It's also in- creepy, like, because that's strength. That is like... That's like some aliens shit. Man. Yeah. So I imagine that your whole body, number one, yeah. the hormones and stuff involved in like causing the contractions can make your whole body shake, but also to have a muscle that powerful inside of you. Yeah. Like squeezing something out. That's why it's so out. crazy. Yeah. Because it's like you can, f- like, that's exactly what it feels like is you have an organ in this whole, you know, like you imagine like your belly's encased and it's like suddenly that whole thing. That's enclosing all the stuff that you have in your belly now is like really freaking out and try to try to push it out. So that's how uncomfortable it feels. <sighs> you know what I mean? So I can't imagine if I wouldn't have gotten an epidural and I went the entire time. But it was by like I would say like a late lunch hour, like mm. in the afternoon, probably like noon or something like that is when I ended up getting the epidural. My husband could not be in the room for that because of how traumatizing it is with like sticking the needle in the needle in and having it there and what like that shit was very uncomfortable but thankfully my son's godmother now she is a nurse in the ER so she was there with me and she was able to you know try to keep me very comfortable but like I could imagine that's that's definitely where people pass out because they make whoever's in the room like I think they make them sit down oh because it's that fucked up to watch yeah I'm I'm gonna have to watch somebody in pain on top of understanding yeah. like, the logistics of what's happening is probably traumatizing. Yeah. You know what I mean? So they pretty much were like, well, you have to, talking to Lisbeth, who's my son's godmother now, they're like, you have to sit down. She's like, well, I'm a nurse. And they're like, you still have to sit down. Really? Because it might be different because she knows you. Yeah. 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 So it's, it was, that was a little bit intense. Thankful did it, for it. Did it hurt going in? Fuck yeah. I mean, especially with how many nerves you have in your back. So- Consider how much it kind of hurts if somebody gives you an IV in general, right? Like, people are fucking in yeah. there, like, poking around and shit. I mean, granted, the person that's putting the epidural in, what's the doctor? The... The obstetrician? No. Oh, the phlebotomist. No. The anesthesiologist. Anesthesiologist. Yeah. I'm sure they're all very, very professional, but, like, everybody's bodies are different, right? So it's not just, like, an easy... Yeah. You just fucking do it, and then you're done. You know, it definitely takes some time, so... It's super uncomfortable, but very thankful for it. Because Are you able to lay back after they have it in? Yeah, because I think it's like, if you think about it, it pretty much pushes, oops, sorry, pushes like all the way in and then they kind of like, you know, stick oh, some stickies on it okay. and you lay down and you fucking sleep and it's, yeah. it's amazing. And I'm like, dude, I'm into this drug because it made me very, unco- very comfortable after uh-huh. because the biggest thing is they're like, you can sleep. Oh, and you're like, yes, I would like that. I would love sleep. So it was nice because I was super comfortable after that. And you have no idea that you're having these contractions, but you can look at the little monitor and see kind of like these, you know, the the little bars kind of going up and jumping. So it's like, oh, man, it's kind of fucking weird. Yeah. So creepy, but If yeah. anyone, listen, I know that anesthesiologists are like, 
they're real shady people and a lot of them have drug problems but if anyone wants to give me like a back alley epidural for research purposes <laughs> just, just to hang out yeah like um that uh dr conrad murray did for michael jackson if anyone Ew. wants to you know just i just for research i would really like to experience Be this. very interesting i mean you know give me that good go-go juice it was some fucking go-go juice but you know, some people are into it and some people aren't. Some women are like, I want to have the full natural experience. And I'm like, good for you. I don't like, listen, I'm here using modern medicine for every other step of the way. Like, yeah, I'm, I'm taking the fucking epidural. Well, yeah, that's the thing. They used to like not give you general anesthesia for colonoscopies and people would avoid colonoscopies <laughs> because it fucking sucks. Right? It's painful and you have people with cameras up your ass. Like, it's not a good time. And then, like, 10 years ago, they're like, why don't we just put people out for this? And now, you know what? Everyone goes and gets their colonoscopy when it's recommended. Mind blown. Because if you can just, like, you know, cut the trauma out of a medical experience just a little bit. Yeah. It makes it better for people. And, you know, the, it probably actually helps them long term yeah, with their health and all. Yeah. That's why I think it's crazy. So, I mean, it's no disrespect to anybody that's all about natural birth or, or anything like that. But it's kind of the same with a lot of other opinions I have with medicine and, and vaccines and everything else. It's like we've used modern medicine this entire fucking nine months that I've been pregnant. Uh-huh. There's no way in hell that I'm suddenly going to be fucking Oregon Trail, like having my kid out in the fucking middle of the desert with like no drugs, no no anything. Like I'm not going fucking 24 hours into labor just to be like, I can't. Just to say you did, just to be some I'm sort of martyr. I'm not fucking doing that. Just so I, when your kid graduates high school, you can be like, I was in labor for 24 hours. I'm all about convenience, mm-hmm. appropriately. <laughs> <laughs> I'm like, I have shit to do. Yeah. There's no way I can be in here for 24 hours. I only have so much time for maternity leave. Yeah. Like, I can't be out for that long. So, like, clock is ticking, like, right now. But, I mean, some women enjoy it and, like, good for them. Mm-hmm. It's just not my thing. So, so, you know, I was all about the epidural. So that happened around noonish, probably noonish, one-ish. And then the, the interesting thing was it was super quiet and casual that entire time. You know, the nurses, they kind of pop in. They check everything. They see how I'm doing. You know, one of the doctors kind of pops in every now and then. Um, but then it's kind of a weird thing because suddenly I noticed in my room there was, like, multiple people in there at one point. And you're like, where? who are you? Where'd you come from? And nobody was saying anything. It was just like, how the fuck are there like two nurses and two doctors in the room all at the same time when like this entire time since we've been here since 4 a.m. There's only kind of been like somebody that floats in every once in a while, like whatever. So I think that was the where the fear really started mm-hmm. to kick in because it was like, hey, I understand that this whole dynamic is completely shifted and nobody's really saying anything. So mm-hmm. I can understand, you know, they probably didn't want to panic me, but until they really figured out what was going on. But um, baby's blood pressure was kind of going off the rails and I think oxygen levels also. So then at that point, they were pretty much just like, we're going to have to go into a C-section like now. Mm-hmm. And then I'm sitting there like, what the fuck? Because it was like there's there's no summing up to that information other than me noticing a difference in my environment. So that's a little scary. Yeah. You know? Because it's like I definitely don't want anybody to panic me unnecessarily because it's a little sensitive at that time. But it was like, 
holy shit, there's like five people in here. That's weird. And then all of a sudden somebody's like, listen, this is what needs to happen. We're going to start getting things ready. Baby can be out in like under five minutes by the time we get in there. And I'm like, holy fuck. And then they're explaining the cords wrapped around his neck. And they they know that from his vital signs or they have an ultrasound? How it's do they know the that? It's from the vital. So I'm basically hooked up and then there's like a band that's around your belly like the whole time. And that's what's checking vitals on the baby. Uh-huh. So I don't know if it's a matter of when they did the check, when they popped in, then they're kind of seeing that numbers are going a little haywire or what. But that definitely was the big shift, uh-huh. which pushed into kind of emergency mode. Um, so then at that point, I'm just laying there and I am not crying yet because I'm not even processing the you information. Don't have time yeah. Like, you, it no. hasn't even kicked in what's going on. It hasn't even kicked in. And I'm, I think I'm probably looking at my nurse, my maternity nurse, whatever, with this blank stare because I, I just not process the information. I don't know what's happening. I'm like exhausted because I've been up since, you know, 4 a.m. Even though, you know, you're napping. It's like, dude, you're not fucking getting a power like yeah. you're not getting a power nap in you know you got a lot of shit going on and she kind of just looks at me and she goes i can understand if you're scared and then i am like bawling my eyes out because mm-hmm. right, you're thinking oh holy shit is he is he gonna be okay i'm thinking my kid's gonna die or i'm gonna die yeah or we're both gonna die yeah so that was kind of like the scary moment where i was like holy fuck mm-hmm. um and i think God, I'm trying to remember who was exactly in the room. So my husband was in the room when they kind of broke everything down. And I think at one point he had to go step away probably to inform my family of what was going on um, via FaceTime or calling them or whatever. So then my son's godfather now, Jeff, (laughs) poor guy, he's sitting in there and I'm like bawling my eyes out. And it's kind of one of those things, right? There's nothing nobody can really do to make me feel comfortable. Mm Mm-hmm. It was just like, holy fuck. Like, I guess we're all just going to sit here until they kind of take me back there. Yeah, there's not time to manage emotions. You just got to do the surgery and then deal with whatever happens. So then I was happy at that point, too, because obviously I already have an epidural in. Uh huh. So from an emergency perspective, already having that in, I'm like smooth sailing because you could just put me back there, cut me open. Take the baby out. Are you so awake during a C-section? Mm-hmm. Okay. You're absolutely awake. So by the time we're going back there, um, they kind of explain everything as far as, you know, baby will be out in pretty much like five minutes. Uh-huh. Um, so whatever's going on, they'll check his vitals, everything. Everything's kind of a blur, but you basically, yeah, go back into this surgical room, mm-hmm. wide awake. And I don't know if it's different if you didn't have... Um, an epidural before going in in an emergency situation um, I have a feeling if you did if I would not have had an epidural during the time of an emergency c-section need maybe they would have to completely knock you out yeah you know what I mean so even from that perspective it's like okay I'm glad I went the safe route and did the epidural anyway because you were right yeah, yeah you're ready. I was fucking ready yeah so then you go back there and yeah it's fucking weird because like they tell dad like you have to just stand right here uh-huh Sheet goes up, you know, you're pretty much all kind of set up. And by the time I'm back there, I'm freezing. So they have all these blankets on me. And it literally is just like, you can't feel any pain. But you feel pressure. But I feel pressure and I feel tugging. And that was the most uncomfortable thing because I'm like, holy fuck. And I can see like my body like 
kind of being tugged, you know, around. Yeah. And I'm like, holy shit, I don't know how much shit they're cutting into, obviously, or like all the, you know, specific things that they're kind of cutting into surgically in order to like pull a baby out. But even if you look at the actual scar after, it's like, holy fuck, that's not a very big scar yeah to be pulling out like a seven pound baby they make it stretch when they yeah because they you know from a medical standpoint they don't want the smaller the wound the better the yeah. healing time the less risk yeah and like it's, they're it's not impressive. completely yeah, yeah they're not like completely so this is a thing too it's like they're not completely like cutting a huge line down your belly uh-huh. to, to take out a baby it's like they're pretty much putting maybe as like a five inch ish incision and it's pretty much underneath where your belly button is like a few inches so pretty much like at the end of the happy trail yeah is where they pretty much cut it pull the baby out and then they probably take maybe 30 45 minutes to like stitch you back up after that's nice even from that perspective i'm like holy fuck it only took them five minutes to cut me open and pull my kid out but it takes like 45 minutes to stitch me back up so you I feel like you just imagine, like, holy shit, I guess they did fuck up a bunch of shit getting him out. Well, because you, okay, this I also didn't know. Uh, your bladder and uterus are attached to each other. So when they do a C section, they actually have to, like, kind of pull them apart, move shit out of the way, like, it's like, and then put them back together. Yeah. So there is, like, it's just wild. Yeah. It is wild. Yeah. So that that was basically like my my birthing story for yeah. my son was like we went through the expectation of having a natural vaginal birth. Mm-hmm. Dude, we got in there and it was like, yo, I'm going to fuck up your plans. And then I look at my son now and I'm like, of course you would fuck up all of our plans. Yeah, like I'm not surprised. That's what kids do. You know? Yeah. Um, What did you experience anything along this road that was like unexpected? And I say this because, and I can edit this out if you want me to, but I remember after you had your son, you texted me and said, you know, even though you didn't have a vaginal birth, you're like, my pussy still doesn't look right. My pussy was like the size of a football. (laughs) Afterward, I swear to God, like, (laughs) I was very surprised. So even though I didn't have a vaginal birth, I was still bleeding. Uh Uh-huh. My pussy was the size of like a junior football. Uh-huh. Everything was super swollen. And then even so since I had the C-section, you know, they they have to treat you like you had legitimate surgery. So I can't carry anything heavy. Uh-huh. I had a hard time moving around and they forced you to walk around. Yeah. Obviously, after the um, anesthesia wears off and stuff like that, just to get your circulation going. But at one point I stood up or they helped me stand up and I just felt a bunch of stuff gushing out from my pussy and I had no idea what was going on. I don't know if it was just a bunch of fluid or blood or what. Yeah. And I think my husband was already super traumatized by that time to probably really tell me what it was. But yeah, even though, even though baby didn't come out that way, baby still fucked up all that shit. Yeah. And yeah, I was so surprised. My body was fucked up. So I think I was very surprised at how, how all my lady parts looked after because it was like my pussy is super swollen Uh uh-huh and i think it's just the hormones that keep it yeah like i have no idea what it is but it was it it and you're just going is it ever gonna be the same again oh i was very convinced that's what i looked like going forward super fat football pussy and like super dark nipples it's insane 
So like some of the things that was like, well, I expected it, but since I didn't have a vaginal birth, I didn't still expect yeah. that underneath my panties you were going to be fine in some fucking swollen lady parts. How long did you, would you say it was until you felt like, I don't want to say like your old self again, but like how, how long did it take you to feel like, oh, okay, like I think I feel okay again? It was probably, I'm trying to think. I mean, honestly, I didn't feel normal. I'll say normal uh-huh. for lack of a better word, but I didn't feel comfortable as a non-pregnant nursing mom until like beyond a year. Okay. So like even from the nursing perspective and breastfeeding, like dude, fucks up your titties. Like, and it's so uncomfortable. I used to have b- bigger boobs before I had a kid, like huge boobs. And then yeah. now they're just like, Little lady boy boobs. Well, I appreciate. I feel like you're the only one who's being honest with me in this situation because, well, you and the same year you had your son, another friend of mine had a child, and I I can't remember the specific name of what happened, but she had a normal delivery and was in the hospital waiting to like get checked out to go home, and something went wrong, and she almost bled to death. Like yeah. it was very very bad, and so like I had two friends go through like pretty traumatic like birthing experiences um but other than that like I've known some women in my life who like seriously I know one who had a c-section and three months later ran a half marathon like I just that's freakish that is not the norm no my hairdresser does has I've known her for 10 years she'll do my hair a month after she has a c-section and I'll be like just let me know when you're ready to do hair and she'll like she'll be like just four weeks like whatever and I'm like I it just I feel like we're we're kind of like women especially we're forced to like or feel obligated to make people around us feel comfortable. Yeah. And a lot of that is saying like I'm okay, everything's fine. And I just always No need for you to feel uncomfortable. Yeah. I don't want to make you feel uncomfortable. Yeah, and I don't want to tell you let about me my put on a fucking show. Yeah, let me I don't want to tell you about my graphic lady problems, right? And like I've never had a kid, but I can tell you um Two years ago when I had uh, my fallopian tubes removed and they lasered off a bunch of endometriosis, like I had like a, it was like a two or three hour long lady surgery, right? And I had nine days off work and I had like stocked up with craft supplies and was like, I'm just going to hang out and do crafts, like whatever. (laughs) And like afterwards, I was... I would get up and I would shower and I'd have to sleep for four hours. because you're lucky if you're doing anything else. Yeah, because my body was so tired and healing itself. And like what I had done was nowhere near as like traumatic or as complicated as having a child. And so like for me, I'm like, okay, I, you know, I've had some like minor surgeries where like I really just, my surgery on my asshole in December, I didn't feel like myself until like almost two months later just from a minor surgery because it's like, you're tired, your body's healing, the drugs make you feel weird. And so I just am like, I I want to, women are like, you know, you got to post a picture with the baby. Um, You know, I just had a baby. I have a full face of makeup. It's such a, a wholesome, like, we're just grounded. I'm an earth mother with my earth child yeah. and we're having a great experience. That's what I was here to do. Yeah. And I just am like, let's talk about how you feel weird and not like yourself. Yeah. And it took like- me a long time. And it wasn't in, in a completely negative manner by any means. Um, I was very fortunate to not go through any postpartum depression. Mm-hmm. Um, but case in point, it was just like feeling like myself or feeling just like 
this comfortable I'm I'm happy with my body type thing because mm-hmm. it was I was like dude my body is completely different it went through this completely traumatic and it's almost like you have to think about it I feel like I had gone through a traumatic nine months like the entire pregnancy because I didn't have my body the way that I was used to it yeah you know what I mean mm-hmm. like everything is different everything is completely different so to just go from that and be like okay I'm myself again I was like mm. My body got fucked up and got hijacked for a good solid nine months, like completely hijacked. Mm -hmm. So, no, I'm not completely normal. I mean, I bounced back fairly well, I will say, but that doesn't mean that I felt normal. Yeah. It took me a long time. And then even with nursing, um, the whole breastfeeding thing sucks. I did not enjoy it. My kid was not like an easy boob latcher by any means. So then I had to go to pumping. And then the first time I put like the pumping equipment on, I, I, I the look on my husband's face like really kind of solidified how uncomfortable it was that I had to be doing that. And I was like, I, I'm legitimately a fucking cow. Yeah, you don't feel like a person. No. And it was like one of those things where it's just like, I'll do it. I'm happy to do what I need to do because like the whole, you know, feeding from the boob isn't working. I'm not going to be one of those moms that's completely tied. Like I have to do this. I'll make it work. It's like physically it's not working. Mm Got to move on to the next thing. So then I started pumping and it it was even worse because I produce, I ended up producing too much. Really? So I was legitimately a cow. So then even in that perspective, I felt very uncomfortable with my body. And it was like I feel really good about the fact that my body is doing really well for the nourishment that my kid needs. But Uh then I was like, I am legitimately a fucking cow. I'm having to get rid of breast milk because I don't have enough room in my freezer to store it. Okay, so when you are breastfeeding, it's not like, oh, your body produces just enough milk that the baby needs. It just produces. Well, I'm sure, I mean, I'm sure in a a perfect world, that is what's supposed to happen. But Uh then since I moved on to the the pumping Uh with like a machine or like a hand pump, maybe my body just didn't understand or something and just produced too much versus what my kid actually need. And my kid was a pretty chunky kid, Uh so he definitely was getting the nourishment that he needed. But yeah, my body just definitely overproduced. I don't know if my body was just like, hey, I'm a great host. I want to make sure everyone's eating. Yeah. (laughs) Is that that type of person who's like, eat, have some more. It's like an old Asian grandmother like, please eat. I'm not hungry. Please eat. (laughs) So that's basically what my production was. So even from that perspective, it was like, holy shit, this is not my body. Like, it's not even my, these aren't even my titties anymore. This is my kids' titties. This is like my friends' titties who I'm like offering my sweet Asian milk to their babies now. So it's like like completely crazy because the fact that i'm like reaching out i would be on like facebook mom groups and i would literally just be like does anybody want some breast milk because i'm i'm like producing too much yeah and people will take it people will take it because some people don't produce enough some people cannot produce enough this is why it takes a village this is why we have to have because the the breast milk has like certain things in it that make babies really strong and i bet getting breast milk from different moms it's they like call super it liquid strong. gold yeah i mean thankfully i'm not like a meth head or anything yeah well that's the thing is i feel like people probably are like they want to know you before they're just taking the milk yeah. they don't want just anyone what's hilarious though is out of the women that i've given breast milk to uh uh-huh. one is a friend that i had known for years so that was 
pretty easy and yeah. didn't seem super weird. One, I've become friends with, but she was just somebody from the neighborhood Facebook group really? and I had never met her before. And then another, another totally random mom on a Facebook group and I've never interacted with her again in my entire life. Really? Yeah. That's so weird. I even considered selling my breast milk to like these weird bodybuilder men that look for breast milk, but then it just became like too much of a process trying yeah. to find, hey, is there anybody willing to pay good money for this sweet Asian titty milk? Honestly, we're I mean, if we're talking gig economy, it's like I, the, the world we live in is like everyone has a million side hustles because yeah. you kind of have to to get by. So if you have an excess <laughs> of something you don't need and people want it, like. What was weird, though, and I think the reason why the whole selling to some random creepy men bodybuilders or just random creepy men that are into breast milk was the fact that it I wasn't offering fresh goods oh because that's what they want even the The, bodybuilders yeah they want fresh not frozen oh my god stop (laughs) but it's a real thing where bodybuilders want breast milk oh yeah absolutely I don't know what I mean I mean bodybuilding is a world in itself where they do a lot of weird things that I had never heard of. So I think the breast milk between the antibodies and everything else that you get out of it, it is liquid gold. And I mean, if they're saying that it's liquid gold for babies, maybe they're just like, well, it's got to be liquid gold for our muscles too. Yeah. And then it's definitely a thing. Sometimes I'm like, it's too late. Cause I know like, okay. So babies who are born vaginally have stronger immune systems than babies born through cesareans because that pussy juice helps like, they got that pussy juice yeah, all it over helps, them when they come out. It helps set your like initial, like basically starter culture to your microbiome. And there are tribes in Africa where for like, hundreds of years, it's been a tradition when someone in the tribe has a baby, all the other women in the tribe will put their fingers in their pussy <laughs> and smear pussy juice under the baby's nose. And it's one of those things that's gone on for hundreds of years, like predating science. And I also like I love things that humans did that make scientific sense before we knew why. Yeah. And so just like these women walking around like smearing pussy juice on a baby's <laughs> upper lip. And so I'm a I'm a cesarean baby. Um, and I was on Anna. Are you hella jealous that you didn't get that pussy juice on your upper lip? I'm super jealous. I was, I was a cesarean baby and then I was on antibiotics like constantly the first 30 years of my life. So my microbiome is fucked and I got like the Crohn's (laughs) disease and stuff, but like, I'm also not going to like go on a Facebook message group and be like, I need some breast milk and a smear of pussy juice. (laughs) Like it's just, it's too late for me. It's too late for me for that. You know what I'm saying? So, like, yeah, the idea of men being like, I need some breast milk. I'm bodybuilding. It's like, it's too late for you, bro. Isn't that crazy? It's too fucking late. Like, there's no point. Like, we're already beyond the point of it being meaningful yeah. or doing anything for you. <laughs> good, you know, good for them for trying, though. I mean, I'm, I think biohacking is really fun. Everyone needs a <laughs> hobby. And it is fun. And that's, like, an area. Talk about people who know just enough about science to be dangerous. Yeah. Um, I mean, a lot of those people are like really smart, though. Um, so yeah, whatever. But I don't know. Yeah, those titties weren't mine for a good more than a year because even after I stopped breastfeeding and my son moved over to formula, that was probably like six or seven months. Your boobs will still leak milk. Oh man! And it's like it's it's really disappointing 
because then it's like, oh, you got to wash your bras more often. Sex is different. You can't. <laughs> like, there's just milk dripping and it's oh. not a tr- it's not and and I'm a I'm a I'm a very sexual person you yeah. know I'm I'm very open to talking about it and there's just something about killing the mood when it's just like leaking breast milk well number one especially they're... when you're not feeding anybody anymore it's frustrating it's like dude I'm not even feeding anyone like get the fuck out of this conversation right now yeah like i finally am like i'm not pregnant my pussy's healed yes. enough to fuck can i have like i just fif- want something yeah can for I myself 15 minutes where i'm not this cow that's like you know i can i just not be a mom for 15 yes. minutes oh no i can't because i'm leaking breath that's why i think it's insane that any woman would just be like nope i'm a hundred percent hundred percent bounce back i'm my own woman it's like mm. But are you really? Yeah, and I can th- your husband squeeze your titties without milk flying everywhere? If, it, if if the answer is yes, then yeah, you are your own woman, yeah. and your body's back, and you're on your own. But like, if there's milk everywhere, guess what? You're still you're still like the nursing mom. These are the conversations I like to have because I feel like so many people just like suffer alone, and you have these experiences. Do you know are- how many people I've talked to my nipples about? My Jesus Christ! Because so you have, because you have, because like you have to laugh about it when it, you're it's like ridiculous. Yeah, you, when it you're is going completely shit, ridiculous. You just have to, like, yeah, you have to laugh about it. Otherwise, it's like it's like not a good time <laughs> if you're just. <laughs> keeping it to yourself every could time could you imagine i'm just like sitting in the corner of my house crying about how big my pussy looks and that there's milk leaking everywhere no you just gotta text your friends <laughs> <laughs> i text you every time i shit myself <laughs> like i think i also look back at our, our recent text messaging threads when i was looking for an address and i was like Sydney told me she screenshots all of my poop stories. I'm so happy. I She's do have a great eulogy when I die. Yeah, I, uh, every time you po- uh, post an Instagram story about taking a shit, I screenshot it so that we can play them as a slideshow. It makes at your me funeral. so happy. At least make sure it's a good slideshow, like not a lame fucking PowerPoint. No, no, no. It's gonna be like a good slideshow, yeah. and I'll like put like some soft like Sarah McLaughlin type music. Oh my god. <laughs> Fucking kill me now so we can just do it. Yeah, it's going to be good. It's going to be real good. <laughs> I just think it's like you want to um, honor somebody uh, as who they were. Yes. Because, you know, when you go to a funeral and you're like, okay, like, I don't Who's know. Who's this nice person they're talking about? Yeah, no, no, thank you. Mine's I- definitely not going to be like that. Especially since you're in charge. So it makes me really yeah, happy. So Good, I appreciate yeah. that. Yeah, I appreciate course. our friendship. I'm, I just want to keep it real, you know. And, then I, and let's be honest, like, you're not. I'm. I'm not going to outlive you. Like, <laughs> that's not. Maybe just make the slideshow hella make, early and send me I'll the make, file. It'll be like, because newspapers do that. They pre-write eulogies for oh aging God. celebrities so that when they die, it's ready to go to press. So that's what I'll do for you. Yeah, we're being proactive. Um. Okay. One thing I want to ask before we like wrap up the show, because I think it's like good for uh, a common thread. You... You were in shape and you were a healthy person before you had a child. Mm-hmm. You went through the pregnancy experience. But since then, you're really into health and fitness. And do you think like part of that was like getting your body back, practicing quote unquote self-care, but also like reclaiming your, I don't know, bodily autonomy? So before, before pregnancy, I don't even like to say I was in shape. 
Because realistically, I wasn't. You I've always a just gym been skinny. Yeah, I wasn't yeah. a gym rat. I've just always been small. I've always been skinny. It's just been my my body figure since forever. Because you're a lady kid. boy. Such a lady boy. Might find a dick under there somewhere. <laughs> it's like a Where's Waldo game. Oh, that's fun for your husband. Yeah, but um. Yeah, you know, I was just always a smaller person, so I don't even like to call myself in shape before getting pregnant. But you weren't, like, an unhealthy person, yeah. I guess. Yeah. yeah. So then I would say, I mean, realistically, I don't think it was being pregnant or kind of being out of my normal body. Realistically, like, my my push for health and fitness now is because I have a kid. Mm-hmm. It, it's It's weird because, yeah. Well, maybe not for everyone, but for, you know, people that are not pieces of shit that actually give a crap about their kids. Uh You know, I really worry about what my son sees, the lifestyle that we have. You know, I don't want him to be like just this lazy, fat piece of shit that just like does meth and drinks Mountain Dew all day, every day or something. You know what I mean? You want to sculpt for him a vision of what a healthy lifestyle is. Yeah, you know, and I don't want to force it. I want it to be natural Uh because I know what my personality is like. And if somebody shoves something down my throat, I'm going completely the opposite way, Uh you know? So for us, it was more so like, hey, we need to build a healthy lifestyle because it needs to be normal for him. There shouldn't be a question about what we do. Shouldn't be a question about us going to do jujitsu this many times a week. There shouldn't be a question about what the fuck we eat in our house. Like Mm -hmm. if we're making a cake, that's a special occasion for something. You know what I mean? We don't eat McDonald's all the time because that's just what we eat. It's like, well, you know, it's it's on occasion and mm-hmm. we do it on certain times or he can expect that, hey, every time we, you know, are late at jujitsu, we get to pick a treat after or something like that, you know? So it was just kind of one of those things where I openly told myself, I want my kid to look at me and actually be like proud or like pumped. Like my mom's a badass. Yeah. Because I think kind of, And it's throughout the pregnancy, and then when you actually do have a kid, you're around all these other parents, and I don't want to say that I put myself in a bucket or, you know, I judge anyone, but I just saw a lot of other, how other parents were Mm -hmm. kind of raising their kids, you know, whether it's the food they eat or the physical activity or lack thereof, and it was just like, you can really see at an early age how that really starts to form them when they get bigger, because it's one of those things like... For us, we had to get used to it. Even even for our son, when he was a, a small newborn, we weren't doing things j- for the benefit just for him. We realized it was like, okay, well, we have to get ourselves used to doing this. Mm-hmm. For when he is old enough to understand things and remember things and get in the groove of things. So it was like, yeah, I'm reading a book to a, a newborn that can't see, can't hear, whatever's going on, but I have to get used to to developing that routine so it's kind of the same with like the health and the fitness and eating well and stuff like that it was just like oh fuck like i don't want to be like the lazy mom that doesn't do anything with her kid you or know? like has your kid feel like lost i th- i'm thinking of two things number one one of my favorite drag queens katja is uh a gymnast and um he talks about how growing up both his parents were really into fitness and i think his dad was like a athletic coach his mom was something whatever so it was part of the family life to work out do yoga like so being healthy was just part of the life he yeah, grew it's up just, with you're so used to it right yeah and he said you know he had a, a drug problem later on in life he's better now <laughs> uh but he's like yeah even when I was on drugs which is like theoretically 
the worst thing you can do for your body. I still was like making sure that I was doing my exercises every day and like, you know, practicing fitness and yoga because to me, like that was just what you do. Yeah. And so I think that's really important. Um, The other thing is Zach and I both grew up very over. We were very overweight when we were young and like, I grew up with a mother where like I was on a diet from age three and then, you know, when puberty hit and I started getting chubby, I was like ridiculed by my family and told like, well, I'm not going to buy you new school clothes because you're chubby. And Zach had a very similar experience where his parents would be like, you're fat or like you need to lose weight. Yeah. But like. Ultimately, we didn't have families that participated in physical activity like who's fucking fault or meal making. And yeah. so it's like, yeah, we're being told we need to lose weight. But like and then as a child, you're expected to be able to execute a solution, a long term yeah. commitment. And, and you're like solution. You're like, yeah, I'm 10. I don't really know what to do. Like I'm just in the house and there's a bunch of frozen pretzels yeah. and some Gatorade. Like I don't really know, uh, you know, and so I think it's like such a like. You have to do exactly what you're doing, which is leading by example and helping, you know, your child just understand and visualize what a healthy life is like, because I think a lot of people don't. Dude, the thing about parenting is it takes a lot of time. It takes a lot of effort and you have to not be selfish Mm -hmm. because kids will literally follow every fucking footstep. And they watch everything. And that was my thing, too. You know, I don't drink anymore. I don't I don't even smoke weed, even though I'll, you know, use like creams or anything, stuff, stuff like that every once in a while, depending if I need it. Mm-hmm. Um, but like it was kind of one of those things, even like having a glass of wine. I thought about it, I was like, well, dude, I'm still sloppy after a glass of wine. Yeah. You know, and, and, and something like that. I was like, dude, I don't want my kid seeing me sloppy at, at a nice dinner that we've all kind of made sure to all enjoy each other's company in and I think especially as a working mom I just realized we I only have so much time with my kid even if I think about you know Monday we're up by this time we have to get ready we have to get to school we have to drive like the commute into downtown Phoenix and and you know it's it's constantly one thing after another Mm -hmm. so then you think about you know the hour after you get home okay well we still have to eat we have to make food we have to eat we have to get cleaned up. We have to take baths. And it's like, you think about the amount of time that you're with your kid, or at least I think about the time that I'm with my kid. And I'm like, why would I want to waste that like one quality hour with my kid and having him see me at like a like a one beer version or like mm-hmm. a two beer version of me? Because even as an adult, I can't stand people when they've had like a beer or two. Yeah. So, like, for my kid, I'm like, well, why do I want him to see me as, like, the annoying drunk mom when he gets to have an hour of my attention for, like, a Monday or Tuesday or something like that? You know what I mean? So, I feel like it's something like that is really what resonated with me is kind of seeing how I grew up because my mom drank a lot when I grew up. okay. You know, so I always... Always saw drunk mom. Uh-huh. Dad wasn't as much of a drinker, but my dad is pretty pretty traditional, so there's not a lot of affection. I don't think I don't think I really heard him say I love you until I was in high school and was like running away or trying to move in yeah. to somebody else's house or so you know what I mean? Something like that. Like an extreme scenario. So I think my my upbringing, I don't want to say my neglect, but you know, there was not a lot of emotion and, and not a lot of healthy lifestyle to support me growing up. So unfortunately my trauma becomes, you know, the, the driving factor of making sure that 
my family has their shit a little bit more together. Well, that's like the benefit of being like a thoughtful person is that you can either choose to not reflect on your past and you can recreate the trauma, right? And that's what a lot of people do and it sucks. Or you can do the like uncomfortable work of looking at your past and go, oh, okay, I can actually change this. And like, then how do I enact this change? And I think that's important for people to know is like, listen, self-reflection, it's not always fun. It fucking sucks, but... But then there's you can a good bu- opportunity to have some some good outcomes from doing it. Yeah, you can build a better life and you can even like I always say, like, just write everything down because sometimes it's like, oh, my God, your head is like swirling with like, how can I be a better parent? Yeah. How can I, you know, do things better? And then it's like just like brainstorm spitball ideas, pull out your dry erase board and like, you know, map out a course because like, yeah, it, 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 you do have like a, an opportunity to, to change. Um, yeah, that's it, it's crazy to think like ultimately the pregnancy. And I mean, granted, that's the topic we kind of came in talking about. Yeah. The pregnancy is just like the planning period for everything, whether that's your body planning for an actual human. Mm-hmm. But that whole nine months. And I think the reason why, you know, we I mean, granted, I'm a I'm a project manager by day. Right. So oh, yeah. I, we should have prefaced this is that like you can you I plan, the sh- I plan the <laughs> shit out of everything. So that entire nine months, it was a lot of planning. It was a lot of planning. It was a lot of thinking. And and I'm probably too much of a of a crazy OCD person for some people, but that's just that's just what's worked out in our favor. And even you know, post pregnancy, it's still scheduling. It's still routine. Mm-hmm. You know, I spent that. We spent that nine months, my husband and I, figuring out how the fuck are we going to do this? Because it is a lot to figure out. And that's like between finances, um, spending time with other people to make sure our kid's not the fucking weirdo because he's the only kid. We don't want him to be the fucking booger eater. How do we make sure he's not the booger eater? Because like once the booger eater, always the booger eater. Like you're never coming back from that kid. So it's like insane because that entire nine months we're like thinking like how the fuck do we do this? How the fuck do we do this? And, you know, trying to get our lives together. And then finally the kid comes and it's just like, oh, fuck. I guess now we have to actually have to do it. We have to enact all these things. It's crazy. Um, So pregnancy, do you recommend it? (laughs) Here's my thing. I only recommend it for people that are willing to put forth the effort for fucking ever. Yeah. Like pregnancy is, I don't know. People make pregnancy sound like it's so cute. It's fucking, first off, it's not cute. And it's not just the pregnancy. You get a kid, fuck, you might get multiple kids, depending. But like, you get a kid after that. And the kid is way more work than being pregnant. Yeah. The pregnancy is not ideal all the time your pussy will get fat regardless of how much <laughs> weight you gain it's gonna look like a nerf ball football <laughs> we need to f- we need to make sure to find one online to- <laughs> i might use that as the graphic for this show um just to fully like illustrate yeah um, i i you know I, I i feel like pregnancy is is a pretty i feel like pregnancy is like the easy process but i only recommend it to anyone that actually wants to be fucking pregnant. And that really, really, really wants a kid. <laughs> that really fucking wants a kid. Because it's 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 a it's a thing. It 
And it's one of those things, if you enjoy pregnancy and your pregnancy is super easy and enjoyable, that's awesome. Mm -hmm. That's amazing. Share your story. But also, if your pregnancy is not awesome and is a complete fucking nightmare, it's okay to talk about it. You're not a failure. You're as not a, woman. a failure. Like, if I can talk about my nipples and my pussy to everybody, you can talk about your your pregnancy woes. Yeah, because it sucks. And and you know, there's a lot of like I said, there's a lot of unrealistic expectations that I think have been ingrained in everyone's mm-hmm. everyone's minds with pop culture, movies, and everything. Um, it's not even just a matter of being misinformed. It's just why would you ever have a firm understanding of pregnancy until you're pregnant? Yeah. Like, why would nobody's just going to research pregnancy and really get into the nitty gritty details and unless they're really trying to get pregnant or, you know, are already pregnant. So, yeah, I think your expectations of everything are going to be completely different. Um, If listeners want to write in and tell me. <laughs> tell me what your pussy looked like after. <laughs> tell me. Listen, you don't have to send me. A picture of your pussy. I will die if anybody does. But if you want to send me a Google, do a Google image search of the object you think your (laughs) pussy looked like after pregnancy and then send me that Google image. Like if it's all, if you, you know, it went from being a white castle to a whopper. (laughs) If it. I'm going to be so disappointed if everyone's like, no, darling, it is just you. I don't think that's true because if you ever had like really good sex and then your pussy doesn't look like your pussy. Like, that's true. Pussies are dimorphous. Uh, I think that's the right word to use. They they sw- they put their game down, flip it and reverse it on you. And <laughs> that is important to understand is that like let, let me talk about when the vagina becomes engorged. And <laughs> I, I've been really into these videos on Twitter lately of old white ladies giving sex ed talks. Oh my god! I fucking I'll send you one later. And it's just like an old white lady with this giant plush of a vagina explaining how like women need the oxytocin release to relax and have the vagina become engorged. And it's like a biological thing because when we you know, have sex with someone, there is the chance of us getting pregnant and therefore needing a mate for at least seven years because that's how long it takes humans to not die on their own. And that's why we have like seven years of bonding chemicals, blah, blah, blah. But I've been really into these old white bitches giving sex ed (laughs) talks and explaining these things. I'm like, get it, Auntie Cheryl. Tell them what's up. Auntie Cheryl done had a dick in her mouth at some point. I love it. It's so good. Good for them. Yeah. um, Yeah. Also, okay, so send me a picture of what you think your pussy looked like. Also, send me, um, if you're an old white lady and you getting that dick send me uh, let us know <laughs> let us know you're getting that dick let us know the last time you had a dick in your mouth that's what i'm mostly curious of yeah. because you think about it okay you think about an older older woman uh-huh. we know that they've all had dicks in their mouth but at some point but do, do they it? still get the dick in their mouth that's what i want to know i feel yeah because when you picture people sucking dick you picture think young like people. 20 20s yeah. it's like i sometimes okay i'm gonna this is gonna be like a super like intimate revelation because for the most part I'm in denial about my age um but then I have moments where I accept like I am 34 years old I look 34 years old I look at my friends like we've grown up together and we used to look like kids and like sometimes I'll be sitting across the table from like a friend of mine and I'll be like she's a grown-ass woman (laughs) like when did she become a woman I thought like we were girls now 
And then I'm like, I'm a woman. And then sometimes I'll like picture myself having sex and I'll be like, yeah, it's like someone's auntie getting it. Like it's uh, not. It? We're auntie now. Yeah. It's not like, oh, I'm just like a sexually active young woman taking control of her sexuality. No, like we're I'm auntie. an auntie who's auntie like status. getting it. Yeah, yeah. we are. <laughs> Fuck. See, I'm just I'm just I'm just hoping we're still getting that dick later. I yeah. If I'm not, I'm just going to like. I mean, maybe. So, yeah, maybe old people are more sexually active than we assume. They have to be. They have to be. It's just not the image that we're sold. Well, I'm because, just like, look at how much fucking time you have on your hands. Yeah. Like, you've got to be doing something. Yeah. You going to the grocery store, using your coupons. What the fuck are you doing for the rest of the day? Arguing with the manager. Yeah, you get you go to the store, you use your coupons, you argue with the manager, and then you go suck. Go some home dick. and get that dick. Yeah. Oh, I hope so. I mean, you know, honestly, that sounds like the life. Um, I mean, it's almost the life I live. <laughs> we we maybe will do a future episode about elder sex because I do run a, a senior citizen erotica website. Um, that I don't know that I've even talked about on this show. Um, but like seniors get it. It's Good just yeah, it just doesn't like fit. This is this is when they say representation is everything, and like people are like, why they had to go put a girl in Star Wars? Why they got to put a black guy in Star Wars? And it's like okay, because representation matters and it's hard to picture yourself sucking dick when all the porn you watch is 19 year old sucking dick and you're 34 years old and you're like wait can i am i still allowed to because i don't see yeah, it yeah see and that i think this is the age where our shift of of internet porn search is yeah. is a little different like if it's got young in the title like don't no. don't click it no, no. i we're don't beyond that we're beyond that, guys. I, do, I don't watch a lot of internet porn. It's, like, maybe once a year, and then I'll, like, have to see a bunch of, like, stills of things I don't want to see, and I'm kind of upset about it. <laughs> and then I'll, like, finally find something where it's, like, a video from the 70s that's – it's always European. It's always, like – and it's just, like, a bunch of people having a good time together sexually – and like that's not a common thing in porn anymore. <laughs> like porn is like it's just very aggressive. Like, I want to make sure everyone's being all considerate of each other and having a good time. Yeah, I'm like make sure everything's consensual. I want to see people having fun with each other's they seem bodies. Like they genuinely enjoy each other's company. I'm not an extreme sport person. <laughs> you know what I'm saying? Like I I go to the gym every day, but I work out. My workouts are like barbecue, like low and slow. It's kind of how I live my life. Like, I'm not an extremist in any way, shape, or form, and porn is, like, very extreme, and I'm like, why are we crying? Why are we choking? Why are we pissing? Why are we shitting? Like, it's just very, it's like the fucking Hunger Games, and I'm like, okay, so I have to go to, like, 1970s Sweden. You're, like, looking for a sex scene where they're all sharing a baguette and then fucking each other. I literally watched one where they were eating fondue in front of a fireplace, (laughs) and then they, it was like three people and then they just all like gave each other handies after eating fondue in front of a fireplace with the fondue or without no they washed their hands i think but well, that's then very considerate yeah, even like, that's very considerate yeah it i was- feel like in american culture there's no way they would have fucking washed their hands before they started touching each other. No, they would have. Well, yeah, no, of course not. They would have used the fucking fondue. Yeah, they would have poured burning hot cheese. <laughs> there would have been fucking. They they would have needed a medic on set. Like it's just not good. Yeah. And so yeah, I America. just. It's a. I have a hard time with stuff like that. <laughs> and our whole conversation goes full, full circle. Like this is how people get pregnant. That is. Oh yeah. In case you were wondering, you. Pregnancy usually comes after the sex. 
is what happens. So, um, hey guys, Darlene has sex because we can totally prove it. She has a kid. Yeah, that's true. I'm Everybody not trying, knows I put out. I'm not trying to blow your shit up, but like we know you put out. <laughs> <laughs> um. All right. Well, thank you for doing this show with no, me. No, thanks for having me. Um. Happy Hump Day, everyone. I cannot wait to see what everybody's pussy comparison pictures look like. So please share them. Yeah, I'm gonna be disappointed. You guys, you're gonna let down me and Darlene if you don't send those in. So please. All right. Bye, guys. <laughs> Bye.